again, as I have, and I hope that it's, you're committing it to memory now, Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, there's more to that that we've been studying together, but I want to break into another one, and that would be 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. And we, uh, those of us who studied on Wednesday together, we were in here partly as well. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Again, the flavor, the style, walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of God. Amen? Amen. So now as we continue today, and we're going to have an example uh, about walking worthy or the calling itself, created and called by God. We are all created by God and called by God for God. Amen? If you don't know that by now, mm, I don't know what else I could tell you. Luke twenty two thirty three. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Who famously said that? Peter. I gave it away. It's Peter. Obviously. I am ready to go with you. I'm ready to die for you. But now before this verse 33, here's what happened. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I want to show you something, my brothers and sisters. If you could see, I emphasized a little bit that you and that you over there. Um, And and Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. See that word you that's underlined? That's translated from a Greek word, and that Greek word is is plural. It's plural. But the second one that I've highlighted when he says, when Jesus says, but I've prayed for you, that's singular. So, So really what you could say is, Satan has asked for you, all of you. Satan has asked for you, disciples, that he may sift you, that he may separate you like wheat. So see what he's saying? Jesus is saying, Satan has asked for all of you, that he may sift you all like wheat. But I've prayed for you specifically, Peter. Why? I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. He means totally. And when you have returned to me, Strengthen your brethren. See, I've, I've got something for you to do. There's a, there's, there's a calling here. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a purpose that I have for you, Peter. The enemy has asked for all of you that he may sift all of you like wheat. But I've prayed for you specifically. Does that mean that Jesus only prayed for him? Of course not. What Jesus is saying is there's a specific purpose. There's a something specifically that I've called you to. There's, there's something that I'm going to need for you to do. Amen? Why him? Well, that's what I hope that we can find out. Now, in John, don't you have to turn there. I'm going to fire some scriptures at you, but you can, you know, some we'll see together and some we won't, but you can check it out later. And so many of you are familiar with them anyway. But now, we know that when uh, Jesus first started calling his disciples, the first two that really followed him were Andrew and John. And they followed him. This, you could find this in John chapter 1. They followed him because they were disciples of John the Baptist. So when they saw the witness of John the Baptist and heard John the Baptist speak of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember, they started following Jesus around and Jesus sees them following and says, what do you seek? And we want to see where you live. No, we've shared this together. No, we want to see, we want to come to know you. We want to get to know you a little bit better. So, so Jesus said, come with me. And then through that process, now Andrew happened to be Peter's, Simon then, Simon Peter's brother. So now after John and Andrew spend the day with Jesus, they go back to their relatives and their friends and say, we found them. We found the Messiah. And they introduce Jesus to, to their group. And he happens to be introduced to Simon, son of Jonah. And and Jesus immediately says to him, you're going to be known as Cephas, the stone. I'm going to read to you a little bit, so please bear with me. But this is important, so I hope you all will pay attention as I read from uh, Luke 
chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So as it was, as the multitude pressed about him, him Jesus, to hear the word of God, and that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That breaks me up every time. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. See, my brothers and sisters, this is when Jesus said, Come and follow me. This, this is when they forsook all and they followed him. They, at least that small group, and they added on to it. But my brothers and sisters, there's, there's, you know, when Jesus came out of the desert, when he, after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness, he was tempted, he came back. And, and there's no doubt that he stayed around Capernaum, around this, this, this fishing area. And so now he's, he's preaching, he's teaching. And there's no doubt that Peter had already heard of Jesus. How do we know that? Well, we know that he was introduced by Andrew at least. And we probably also know that he somewhat respected Jesus' teaching because he called him Master or Lord, didn't he? In that t- but he wasn't following Jesus closely yet. He wasn't. But now, listen, I, you see this, this man that Peter is. Peter's, Peter's a blue-collar guy. He's, he's my kind of guy. You know, I, I can relate to, see, so, so far, let's, let's just, little review. When we first started the series, we started with Samson. Samson, who God said from birth, he's going to be separated for me, by me, to do my work, and God gave him powers. As long as he was separated, God gave him power. But Samson was a spoiled brat. He lusted with his eyes, and he wanted, he used God's power for his own purpose. God still used him. God still uh, defeated their enemies through him. But remember what happened. It wasn't until he had his eyes gouged out and he couldn't lust after the things of this world anymore. That's when he did his most work for God. Doesn't it? Remember? At that day when he said, Lord, help me out. I'm going to use Tony Lane. Lord, help me out. And he went ahead and he destroyed that temple. And it says in the scripture specifically, he did more to damage the enemies of God in that one day than he did prior to his whole life, in his whole life, right? Then after that, it was Samuel, certainly one who was also created and called by God from an early age. And in Samuel, we see somebody totally opposite of of Samson. And, And what do I mean by that? Well, Samuel was given to Eli, and he served Eli. From a little boy, he obeyed Eli. He, 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 he was, he was a, a servant that was sincere. He was a servant that went ahead and, and just was so faithful. He faithfully served Eli, even when Eli's own sons were not faithful to the word of God, and they were corrupt. Never once does it say in that word that Samuel said, what am I doing? Look at these guys. And here I am serving and, and having to lock up the temple or having to sweep the floors and have... Well, <laughs> Not once. He was a faithful servant. He, he led and he was obedient. And God used him mightily. Amen? And then after him, Gideon. Gideon. Gideon who says, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. 
I'm the smallest guy out of the smallest tribe. And when God called him, he was hiding out from God's enemies. And then remember, uh, I, I got this, and I, and I don't think I'm taking great latitude here, when he was putting out the fleece, and some might say, well, that's a lack of faith. Well, remember, he understood something afar off. He understood some, some stories, some old-timey things. The, you know, God wasn't with them anymore. God wasn't get, sending them a word anymore. They had abandoned God. So now he doesn't know. He doesn't have relationship. He doesn't really have solid religion. So now he's building, when the angel of the Lord, when Jesus starts to talk with him, now he's starting to build relationship. Now he's starting to learn and get acquainted with the power of God. And when he says, you know, let me put out the fleece, make the fleece wet. Where, again, I, I, don't, I don't need to do that these I don't need to do that anymore. He did it for me. But he was building relationship. And out of that relationship, he listened and he obeyed God and he became the sword of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then Paul, who quite the opposite of Gideon. Yeah. Born of a, a, a well-to-do family, Roman citizen. His father was a Pharisee. He was brought up, he, he was raised in, a, in Judea, but he came from a city that was prominent. And he, he was educated. He had the best education that you can have in those days for that culture and for those people. And he was, he of his own, I was the Hebrew among Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin. I was this, I was that. And, all, and then he said, I count all that as garbage. All those things that were valuable to me, I count as nothing. I count as, and I, I, I won't use the vulgarities, I count as dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. But why? W- what about it? He was sincerely, zealously serving God. He wanted to serve God with all his heart. He was so sincere and so zealous, he was killing the church. And later on he says, I did it in ignorance. I didn't know what I was doing. But God took him. And God also had to make him blind, didn't he? He had to make him blind of religion and all of the things that he was brought up in and all of those things that were so important to him in the natural world so that he could see spiritually. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God. Amen? Wrote most of the New Testament. But now I get to Peter. And Peter is more like me, blue-collar guy. We grew up working. Most of us in here, we're working people. I didn't go to the best university. Thank God my father and mother you know, took care of me and they, they made sure we went to school and they did the best that they could do, raised us up in, in good conditions. Um, Made sure we went to school. I, I did go to college. As far as I know, I'm the first one in our immediate family that went to college. Uh, but, I mean, I, I worked. I worked my way through college. I wor- like some of you, so many of you right now, who you're working, you're working hard. So now I see this man. He's working hard. He's brought up around this lake. And that's what he does. His family is depending on him catching fish. So in this first situation, we see that he's got to be disappointed. He's out all night, didn't catch any fish. Now you have this preacher who you probably have heard just a little bit. He's been around the neighborhood, and your brother is totally enamored by him. And so now you, 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 oh, you, you, you respect his position. You respect the message. You respect the ministry. But you're not totally into it yet. So that minister gets into the boat and says, let's go out. Let's go catch some fish. Lord, we've been doing this all night long. There's no fish out there. And this is even the wrong time of day to do it. So, But he says, nevertheless, I'll do it. See, you can hear, in my opinion, folks, when I'm reading that, I can hear the tone. I can hear, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this just to appease you. I'm doing it out of respect for you, but I'm really not expecting anything. I, I've, been, I've been doing this my whole life. I'm, I, this, is my, this is my life. This is how I raise my family. This is what I do. Nevertheless, I'll do it for you. My brothers and sisters, that's why I think when, when, when I see that picture of that blue-collar guy seeing the result of obeying Christ, he says there's something different about this guy. 
This isn't, this isn't the preacher that I see in, in the neighborhood. This isn't the same holy man that I've seen. This, there's something different about this guy. Come on now. And so he ends up at his feet. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. In the light of that glorious Jesus, he saw his own sin. Get away from me. I'm not worthy of someone like you. There's greatness there. There's glory there. But look at the way Jesus responds. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Follow me. And in that moment, they forsook everything. Everything. And they followed him. Wow. I want to go to you real quick now. Let's go to Matthew 19, 23. It'll be up on the board. The rest of them you could just write down. I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm going to have many on the board for you today. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished at the saying. And they said, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, See what I have left, and I've followed you. I've left everything to follow you. Therefore, what shall we have? See, here's the blue-collar guy now. Now, let's put this in perspective. Remember, this was after Jesus had that encounter with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler approaches Jesus. He says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why are you calling me good? Only God is good. So are you believing that I'm God or are you confessing that I'm God? No. He says, obey all the commandments. Obey the commandments. He says, you know know what the commandments say. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Honor your father. You shall not lie. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But these things I've done since I've been young. He says, that's right, but you have one thing that you lack. Sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And the young man walked away disappointed because he had so much. And he wasn't ready to part with what he had on this earth. And so that's this response. And then when Jesus says it's hard for a rich man, well, who can be saved? Because remember now, what these people believed was, like a lot of people even today believe, that if you're being blessed, that means you're being pleasing to God. That all those blessings are because God is pleased with you. So now that's why they respond this way. Well, then who, who can be saved then? If this guy, if the rich can't be saved, then who can be saved? Jesus plainly says it. With God, all things are possible. With God, it doesn't matter about your status. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your race. None of that matters. With God, all things are possible. But I love it the way Peter, in verse 27, the way Peter's the one who speaks up. Out of all of the disciples in that circle, Peter's the one that spoke up. I remember another time. See, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this blue-collar guy. I'm looking at this guy who's, who's now becomes a follower of Jesus. First, he realizes what a sinful man he is, and now he's, becoming a, uh, he's given up everything to follow Jesus. And I see in Matthew, 20, oh, Matthew 14, we won't read it, just in Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on the water, right? And they're, they're afraid. And, and Peter says, Lord, if that's you, Let me come to you. Jesus says, come on. See, out of all of those people, all of the 12 disciples or apostles that were in that boat, one, one got up and said, if that's you, I want to come to you. If that's you, I'm going to walk on the water just like you are. Wow. See, that means something to me. I'm, I'm, I'm listening now, and I hear a blue-collar guy saying, I want that. I stand, oh Man, it was only him. Then I see in, in um, John chapter 6, where Jesus preaches a hard message. Remember this one? We've discussed this many times, but I know you know this one, where Jesus says, unless you drink my blood and eat my body, you can't have no part of me. And he's saying something that they can't understand. And because they can't understand, it says many of his disciples left him and walked with him no more. 
They walked with him no more. And so, listen, just because he spoke something that was true, but because it was hard for them to understand, they leave him. So Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? Who spoke up? Peter. Peter speaks up. Peter says, where are we going to go? You only have the words of eternal life. Who else are we going to, who are we going to listen to? You're the only one. Peter was the one who spoke up. Peter, the blue-collar guy, the guy that works for a living, the guy that walked away from everything to, to follow Christ. That one. Hallelujah. Then there was that other time in, in Matthew 16 where uh, Jesus is saying, hey, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or, or you know, uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? Who spoke up? Peter, Peter, I say you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter spoke up. This guy, this, uh, what is it about this guy? I don't know. But now look it back and we're going, now we'll read in Matthew, the same chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And be raised the third day. Then Peter, look at this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Peter, out of all of the apostles, out of all of any, any other disciple who was in earshot, anybody who heard Jesus speak this, it's important, I've got to suffer. Now, Peter, no, I, I ain't, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. Far be it from you. His intention was he loved his master. He doesn't want his master to suffer and die. But Jesus had already explained that it's necessary, that it has to be. And he said to Peter, the same one who he said a little while ago, when, when Peter said, confessed, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Now you're, now you're the rock. Now you're the rock. Now you're, you're getting rhema. You're getting word from, from heaven. Now you're the rock. Amen? And now just a little while later, Peter makes this statement because he loves his master and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me because you're, you're caring more about the things of man than of God. But that blue-collar guy wasn't afraid to speak up. And even after that, you would think, okay, I'm going to zip it now. No. Not Peter. Not Peter. Because remember then, I, I, in the very next chapter of Matthew, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? And Jesus took three of his closest uh, apostles with him. There was Peter, James, and John. And they went. And in that moment, Elijah and Moses appeared. Now, who's the one that spoke up? Peter. Peter's like nervous and he must have spoke at him. Uh, this is a good thing that we're here to see this, Lord. Let us make tabernacles, one for each of you, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But, you know, Moses and Elijah lived centuries before this ever happened. How did he know who it was? They didn't have Polaroids back then. Amen. Peter, this blue-collar guy, but he's, he speaks out. He's the one that speaks up. He's the one... I, I want to, this Peter guy, there's something about him. Then remember, this was Peter. Peter, on the night that our, our Lord was betrayed, but remember they had that supper. They had the Lord's Supper, which we'll celebrate uh, together on Wednesday. They had that supper, but Jesus, he took a basin and a towel and he was washing their feet. And remember what happened when he got to Peter? Peter said, oh, no, no, you're not washing my feet. Not going to happen. I'm not going to let you, my master, wash my feet. Jesus says, well, unless you let me wash you, you can have no part of me. Then, then Peter, this is Peter. He can't leave well enough alone. Then wash every bit of me, Lord. <laughs> wash my head. Wash, my, wash every bit of me, Lord. <laughs> Peter. Can, can anybody relate to Peter? I can relate to Peter. I really can. I, it's an awesome thing. See, I, I like I like. 
to me, I'm looking at Peter and, and through some of these examples. Now, there are more examples, but I'm seeing some of this, this personality. I'm seeing who, who, what type of individual he is. And so I'm trying to figure him out. I'm trying, okay, you know, was Peter maybe, maybe one of many sons? We know he had at least Andrew as a brother. You know what? And I'm seeing this guy who wants to be noticed, who's maybe a little proud, maybe, uh, but maybe, you know what, maybe he has a little chip. I, I, said, I said to Michelle, this guy, he's just a little chippy. And she said, what's chippy? I said, you know what chippy, no, you better explain it to the people. They ain't gonna, you know, he may have a little chip on his shoulder, and he's ready. Like when you're young, when you're, 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 when you're a little guy, they say, you know, you got the little man's disease and all this other stuff. And may, maybe I had it when I was younger. And maybe it was passed down to me from my father, who was little also. So maybe I did have it. But, but regardless... Regardless of the reason, I, I see something in Peter. Was, was Peter small? Mm, no, I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. The Bible does let us know that Paul was small, but we know that we don't know whether Peter was small. Do we know if Peter was a middle child? We don't know. Was he the oldest son? Did Peter? But this, listen, Peter did not go to seminary. Peter did not study at the feet of Gamaliel like Paul did. Was that something that he carried with him? Was it the fact that, man, if I don't catch fish, my family starves? Was it, what, what was it? What was it about Peter? I mean, you know, when, when he was growing up, hey, uh, Peter, you better learn how to fish because uh, your brother's got the brains, but, you know, you better learn how to fish, otherwise you're going to starve. Did he hear that from his parents? Now, is that far out there? Can anybody relate to anything like that? Or, or I'm going to tell you just what I've heard from some young, young men in the community recently, and it blows me up, and I shared it with you before, but I got, I'm st- it still burns me up on the inside. Well, our people don't do that stuff. Don't do what stuff? Excel? Go after the desires of their heart? If God has put something in your heart where you want to do this for a living, or you want to do that for a living, or you want to go to this school because it's one of the best, or you want to do that? What, what does God only build you for sports? Or, or did God only build you to go ahead and, and you know, have a menial labor job? Or, or what? Are you limited just because somebody said so? No. No. Maybe, maybe Peter suffered that. Maybe Peter was put down upon him. Maybe every time Peter opened up his mouth, his father told him to shut up. I I don't know. Or maybe he just wasn't treated kindly. I don't know. Or maybe he was just plain proud. Maybe he just had it in there. He wanted to be noticed. He wanted to be somebody. So every opportunity he had to speak up, you know it. Man, I had, when I was in college, there was, there was a guy in one of my classes. Man, it just didn't matter what the instructor said. He always had, have something, you know, it got to a point where said, shut up, just shut up, you know, if something, and, and I'm thinking, why, why do you do this, you know, and, and you, and you think about, uh, I've had people ask questions just to ask questions, or people in church always try to say something about something that's like they're getting revelation or something like that, I'm, listen, I'm not criticizing anybody's revelation or relationship with God. No, not, not at all. But there just always seems to be somebody who wants to you know, either have something to say no matter what. Is it because they're looking for affirmation? Was Peter looking for affirmation? Was, was Peter just wanting somebody to notice him? Was he just tired of working so hard? Was, was Peter, listen, was Peter bitter did Peter see the injustice? Peter saw a lot of preachers, or I should say Pharisees and teachers, probably in that culture, in his, somewhat in his surroundings. Was he tired of the hypocrisy? I, I, I don't know any of these things, but my brothers and sisters, this is why I share this with you, because I'm looking at these circumstances and these situations, and I see Peter always the one. Let me come to you. If that's you, let me come to you. Who do the people say that I am? Well, some say this, some say that. Who do you say? I say you're the Christ. And then he says this. I left this part out. He said, I say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we have come to believe. And I apologize because I mixed the uh, stories, but that was when he said, that was the other one. He said, we have come, who are you going to leave? He said, um, will you leave me too? So I apologize, I mixed the stories. He said, will you leave me too? And Peter says, now where are we going to go? Who are we going to listen to? You only have the words which lead to eternal life. And and then he said, and we have come to believe that you're the Messiah. 
Peter did that. Was he sincere? Yeah, I believe he's absolutely sincere. That was Peter, but Peter was chippy, man. He, he had an attitude. He, he craved attention or something. Uh, just, or maybe just tired of the same old. In John, don't, don't turn there, just listen to me, please. When Jesus was saying that he had to go, this was John 13, and he's saying, I, I've got to go. He's talking now about his death. He's talking now, he's preparing them for him, his death. And then Peter said, Lord, I, I want to go with you. I'm, I'm going with you. He's, where I'm going, you can't go. Why can't I follow you now? He says, Peter says, I will lay down my life for you. And, and we know Jesus replies, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we know that that happened, didn't it? This same Peter that was willing to stand up and walk on the water. This same Peter that spoke up every chance he got. This same Peter. But you know what? Before he denied Christ three times, before he did, when they came to arrest Christ in the garden, one of the apostles drew a sword. Peter. One of the apostles drew a sword and he was ready to fight right there. And he cut off the ear of Malchus, right? And Jesus rebuked him. Hey, don't, Peter! Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And Jesus healed Malchus. I often wonder about this little sideways story. I often wonder about Malchus' testimony. How does he go on the rest of his life? Does he become born again? His ear was off. Jesus puts it back on. The very man that they were arresting, the very man that was to be crucified, to be executed, that very man... The night before he was crucified, executed brutally, healed his ear. Uh, what a testimony. So then, Jesus is dead. He does die. He's put in a tomb. We know what happens. That They're hiding out the third day. Mary runs back to the boys when they're hiding out in this room and says, he's not there. The tomb is empty. Okay, I got to... Who Who runs? Peter and John. Now, remember last year we had that tomb over here when I did that demonstration? Oh, that was, don't laugh at me, Addy. You know that was nice. That was great. That was so artistic. That was very nice. I had people taking pictures of it. But think about this. They're running. John gets there first, in a little bit better shape. And like Pastor Tony, bringing up the rear is Peter. And when Peter, when, what does Peter do? He doesn't stop. He goes right in. This this attitude, this chippy guy, he don't care about the stench of death. He don't care about anything. I'm, I'm going in. I ain't waiting. I'm not going to peek in. I'm going in. See, that's that Peter attitude, man. The chippiness, the attitude, the, the blue-collar guy. I'm going in. I got to see. And we know he finds it empty. And then we also know that Jesus appears bodily to Mary and then to some other. And he appeared to them, them being the rest of the apostles, except Thomas, because he wasn't at the night service. That, let that be a lesson to you. Don't miss Wednesday nights. He wasn't at the night service, but he appeared to them. But now, John, let's go to John 21. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to me. You can check me out later. In John 21, beginning in verse 1, it says this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called a twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Well, okay, big deal, Tony. Now, Jesus has already appeared to them twice, alive after he was put in the tomb. And so now, I don't know what's happening. All of a sudden, Peter, this one, the rock, the stone, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. Really? He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You were at his knees and you said, get away from me. You recognized who he was. In fact, you got rhema from God and you confessed it. So what happened? What happened? It's not the same. Man, when we were walking with him, man, it's just people flocked us. 
People couldn't get enough of us. Now we got to worry about them killing us. It's not the same. Man, if we didn't have enough vittles, he just prayed over what we had and he fed thousands of people. It's not the same. It's just not the same. I, you know, I remember when, when he did walk on water and, and when I wanted to, he, I walked a couple steps. As long as I kept my eyes on him, I was walking on water. It's not the same. It's not the same. Man, I, I wonder what it could have been. I wonder what should have been. I wonder what might have been. I, I wonder. I'm going fishing. I got to take care of my family. I got to do things. I got to do what I know. Romans. The gifts and the call of God are without repentance. Peter, it's not too late. Peter, he called you. He gifted you. It's not over. It's not too late. doesn't matter what you think or what you see with your natural eyes right now. It doesn't even matter how you feel inside you. It's not too late. He created you. He called you. He gifted you. And his gifts and his calling are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine. He does not change his mind. He will never change his mind about you. He's not going to change the call that he placed on you. Hallelujah. It's not too late, Peter. Peter, do we have any Peters out there? It's not too late, Peter. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I don't have the best education. I never went to seminary. Shoot, I have only been in church for five years. I don't even know the Bible that good. Are you born again? Because if you're born again, you've been called. You've been called. And if you're not born again yet, if he's tugging at your heartstrings day in, day out, now you're finding yourself thinking, Am I, what, what about this? Is that true? What that little Italian guy said, could that be true? And he's tugging. And he's gnawing. Or maybe you did get down to an altar and, and you prayed the prayer or you lived the life. You've even been baptized and everything. But right now the things of the world have really got your attention and you've, you've been distracted. Well, God's okay with that. No, he's not. No, he's not. He called you to his purpose. He called you to fulfill the things that he has desired. Not to fulfill your own desires and lusts. Not to make yourself happy in this place. Because he wants you to have something more than temporary happiness. He wants you to have joy on the inside. The joy on the inside, as you know, is something that allows you to be happy even in negative circumstances. It allows you to understand something that maybe others around you don't quite understand. My brothers and sisters, Peter, it's not too late. So we know what happens in that chapter. You know, Jesus is on a shore as they're fishing. They're going fishing, and they're fishing all night. They can't catch anything. And Jesus hollers out from the beach. He says, hey, children. Do you have any meat? Children, Tony language. You guys catch anything? No, no. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. When Jesus said that, they cast the net on the right side of the boat and there were so many fish in there. And immediately John says, that's the Lord. So what happened then? Peter recklessly abandons the boat, jumps in the water, and heads to go see Jesus. Peter was the one, again. Now, he wasn't walking on water because he saw Jesus walking on the water, but I'm thinking he was moving so fast he was walking on that water, and not because he knew where the rocks were either. I'm telling you something. He had, with everything in him, it was, that's Jesus. Peter was the one who did that. That gritty, chippy (laughs) guy with the attitude that Jesus called and gave him purpose, specifically. Hallelujah. He jumped out of that boat. They have breakfast together. After breakfast, Jesus is talking to Peter. And this is the part where, you know, the theologians and all the Bible scholars are going to tell you, well, this is when um, Jesus restored Peter. And 
maybe this was part of the restoration when, when, Peter, when Jesus says, um, Peter, do you love me more than the rest of these? Lord, yeah, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And we know that Jesus asked him the same question three times. Now, some would say that's because of the three times that Peter denied him. Possibly. But for today, remember what it says. That third time that Jesus asked him, Peter was grieved. <laughs> Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But also because Jesus was saying, do you love me without condition? Without condition. Then you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do what I've called you to do. Do you love me? Do you love him? Do you love him? So they're talking and they're continuing to have this conversation. Now, listen, Jesus and Peter are having this conversation and John is just kind of following behind. John, who refers to himself in in the third person as he's writing the book, the, the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. And John is following behind. And Peter, looking back, sees John and he says, what about this man? And Jesus says to him, what is it to you if I let him live until I come back? Because my brothers and sisters, see, we all do that. It's part of us being human. What about the next guy? Comparing ourselves and and all that. So see, what I'm saying to you is the same Peter, he still has this this pride, this chippiness, this attitude, this thing. I I, I want to be the one. I'm I'm the one that needs to be noticed. I'm the one that needs to be noticed. This chippiness, what's it to you? What's it to you? He says, if he remains until I come back, that shouldn't mean nothing to you. It's not your business. You follow me. Very simple. You follow me. See, my brothers and sisters, we can't march to the beat of Tony's drum or anybody else's drum. The key is we have to be so in sync with you. We have to be in love with Jesus. We have to hear his voice, operate according to the example that he showed us and not worry about what the next guy is doing or what the next, this one is doing or that or the other. Not worry about our circumstances or situations. Who cares if I've, if I've got the master's and I've got a PhD in theology? Who cares? Paul had the PhD, but he had to be struck blind so he can learn something. Samson had all the might you can possibly have. But he had to be humbled to the extent that he was treated like an animal. No, I don't don't care about all that. Remember your assignment, Peter. Remember your assignment when you've returned to me. Strengthen your brethren. And so we see how this plays out. How do we see this, Tony? Glad you asked. Now I'll answer you. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Jesus told them, tarry in Jerusalem. You'll be endued with power from on high. And you're going to be my witnesses. You need power so that you can be my witnesses. And so what happens is, you know it, the day of Pentecost, they're all in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They begin to speak in tongues. And, and the Spirit is, is just showing himself strong and mighty. It spills out into the street. And, and, and people, man, these people, they, they must be drunk and, and, and making fun of them. People are mocking and scoffing. Other people are just marveling and wondering what the heck is going on. And Peter stands up. Peter stands up. Okay. Okay, Lord. The gritty one, the gutty one, the one that maybe was ridiculed or picked on when he was in school, the one that didn't get enough attention or whatever the case may be, that one, that one that you called, Lord, it's time. And he stands up and he says, these are not drunk as you suppose because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And Peter goes on to quote the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to preach and teach out of the scriptures how they killed the one that they had been waiting for that whole time. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost filled. Spiritually strong. And the church is growing. And and, and that was the beginning. 
And Peter, and don't you know that when Peter got up and spoke, and he spoke with, with such authority, and he spoke with, man, if, if I were probably, I, I, got, I imagine some of his brothers, the other apostles, what, what is that? What, what happened? This is the guy that denied him. What is that? Where is this coming from? They no longer feared for their lives. And Peter and John go into the temple in Acts chapter 3. And there's that guy that's sitting by the temple gate, beautiful, and he's begging alms because he's been lame from birth. He can't walk from birth. and he, That's his job now. The way he, he lives is he just sits there and collects money. And so Peter and John, on their way into the temple, see this guy. And he's begging. And Peter says, Gold and silver have I none, but what I do have I'm giving to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And that man got up and walked immediately. Immediately. That's that Peter, the gritty one, the gutty one, the blue-collar guy that had to fish for a living, is now a fisher of men. Willing to stand up and not worried about being arrested anymore because he went into the very temple. And they got arrested for it. And they stood trial by the Sanhedrin. The same people that condemned Jesus to death. Is this, are, they are the same people that uh, Paul, I'm sorry, Peter and John are now standing before. And they go through that whole trial. And, they, and Peter preaches to them and tells them through the scripture how they killed him. And how in the scripture it said that they would. And that one who they rejected was the chief cornerstone. He didn't care. That gritty one, that gutty one, that one that God called, that, that blue-collar guy that didn't sit at the feet of Gamaliel, that didn't care. He just forsook everything, and now he's seeing the call come to its fullness. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he did. They couldn't do anything. They, the leaders, they couldn't do anything. Why couldn't they do anything? Because it was a, it, it, the people would have caused an uprising because the man who was lame from birth is now walking. These guys are telling the truth, but I want you to see something, my brothers and sisters. Look, in Acts chapter 4, 13, here's what it says. Now, when they saw, they, the Sanhedrin, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Come on. They saw them. They could tell by their appearance. They could probably tell. These guys, they didn't study. These guys don't have the PhDs. These guys aren't somebody. But what about them? they realized they had been with Jesus. All the qualifications they needed. Let me ask you all something. With the people that are closest around you or the people that you go around daily, not, I'm not talking about when you're wearing your mask. I'm talking about the people that are around you. Would they be able to accuse you of being with Jesus? Come on. Come on. It's not too late. It's not too late. Yeah, well, I'm old now. I don't. It's not too late. It's not too late. The gifts and the call of God are without repentance. God never changed his mind about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter if you went ahead and you turned your back on God. It doesn't matter. The gifts and the call of God are without repentance. Spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this ministers to me. There's hope. There's a chance. Oh, not just to be saved. I know I'm saved, but I'm called. I'm called into his kingdom. I'm I'm called into his glory. I'm called to look like him. I'm called to to do the things that he's asked me to do. I'm called everything about him. I'm called into the the eternity. I'm, I'm called into all of these things. So now watch. No matter what mistakes I've made in the past, no matter how many wrong turns that I've made, no matter the mistakes that I've made even using my mouth, I, right now, here and now, we, I could, that's done. It's over. It's, it's done. It can be all made new right now. Yeah, but it's those days have passed me. No, they have not. If there's breath in your body, if you're still here on earth, you still have the ability to serve him. And you still have the, and you better be serving him according to his calling, according according to his purpose, and not your own. We can't make this stuff up. We can't say, "Well, I want to do this." No, 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 no. See, Jesus said to Peter very specifically, 
when you've returned to me, I have an assignment for you. I have an assignment for you. When you return to me, somebody, somebody, when you finally give your whole heart to me, when you finally look at, stop looking at the things of this world, when you finally have give that less importance and put me on the throne of your life, I have an assignment for you. I have an assignment for you. Me? I'm not. But I'm only 13. I'm only... Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, but I'm, I'm 80. I'm, I'm, you got breath in your body? It's not too late. It's not too late. Yeah, but I curse God. Not too late. Peter got on his knees before God in that moment. And he said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. What did Jesus say? All right, see you later. Come with me. Come with me. I've got a plan for you. Come with me. Amen. I'm going to leave you with one scripture and we're going to pray. Romans 8, 28. And we know all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. So that means, my brothers and sisters, even if we've made some bad decisions, even if we've done some things that didn't line up with his will, our God is able to take those things that the enemy meant for our harm and to slander the kingdom. Our God can take those things and bring glory to his kingdom and to himself. Amen. Amen. Very simple prayer this morning. The praise team, or I'm sorry, yeah, if the praise team would come up. We're going to sing a song that you hopefully all know. And we're going to sing together. But as they're coming up, I want you to please consider something. Consider something. Praise team too. Consider something. I want you to consider. Listen. Still just a little bit longer. Consider something. Where are you? Where are you? Because God didn't forget his call on you.